Guys, if you've uh, never been to a Wednesday night before, we are in, a, in the midst of a study of the life of Moses, and we're in Exodus chapter 3, but um, I'm, I'm taking just a little side road. Um, actually, I really don't even think it could qualify as a side road, because I said to you last week, um, whereas I have done this before, I felt like the text demanded that I do it again, and... and um, and, and it's that part about take your shoes off, um, the ground is on which you walk is holy. And we talked last week um, about the holiness of God. And uh, the text that was before us last week is the text that's before us tonight. <clears throat> it's verses 1 through 6 um, in chapter 3. But I'm, I'm just going to pick up... Um, uh, I'll pick up at verse 5. Then he said, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And, and that's why, folks, I suggested that, that it was demanded of me that I go back to this theme of the holiness of God. And then, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. <clears throat> what you find there, of course, is that uh, God tells Moses that he's on holy ground. That's pretty obvious. But what I, I want you to note tonight is what is Moses' response to being told that? Moses responds <clears throat> in, um, he's afraid. There was fear. He was, um, he was afraid to look at God is what the text says. Um, gang, so were the people who stood at Mount Sinai when they heard the law. You get the same kind of reaction. In fact, they go to Moses and say, listen, you need to mediate between us and him because that is really, it, it evokes fear. <clears throat> so here's my premise for the night. The necessary sequel to last week is what I'm going to do tonight. Um, but my premise is this. The only right response, not a right response, I'm saying the only right response to the holiness of God is the fear of God. The only right response in finally recognizing that his chief characteristic is his holiness, is that God's people would have, would live, would have a fear of God. Now, folks, um, I could talk to you about this topic for three days. Um, just to substantiate that claim, I want to tell you a little story. I graduated from seminary in 75, and my, my first uh, job was in Ocala, Florida, it was a church plant. Uh, we had five families down there that were seed families. And so there was really no church to speak of. There were these five families and, and then the youngs. And Susie was eight months pregnant. They rented me an office uh, downtown Ocala, and it was above an ABC liquor lounge. It was a honky-tonk is what it was. And every morning when I came to work, you could smell the beer wafting up from, the, from downstairs. Fortunately, um, I was gone from my office before the crowd arrived. But it was an ABC liquor lounge, and my first desk was um, was bought with S and H green stamps, and 
Many of you don't even know what those are. Um, but those of you with a little age on, you know what SNH screen, my desk was bought by, by SNH screen stamps. And I was in a, uh, a little tiny office above a liquor lounge with shag carpet. So um, one, I, I guess it was a series of mornings. It wasn't just one morning, but um, I, I was in that office just having my time with God. Um, and I come upon statements like these. If, you, if you'd like to, you, maybe you want to write them down, but uh, I come upon this statement in Psalm 31, verse 19, which says, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I bet you I can guess. I bet you'd like to, to get in on that goodness too. And it says, uh, you know, God's got abundant goodness stored up for who? For a group of people who fear him. Then um, in one Psalm later, in Psalm 33, you find a statement like this. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Oh, well, I mean, the goodness of God and the eye of the Lord is going to be turned towards me or turned towards this group. And they're, they're described as somebody who fears the Lord. Oh, okay. And then I come to the next Psalm, Psalm 34, um, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And being somewhat uh, slow anyway, but I begin to notice the theme. Oh, wait a minute. Goodness, uh, his eyes upon the, um, the, uh, the angels in camp around um, those who fear him. And then you get a statement like this in Psalm 67, uh, the last statement. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to look into that. So here's what I did. Um, I, I got myself, guys, uh, this is not, this is going to be useful in a few minutes, but... Um, I got myself a concordance, but you know what a concordance is. This is a concordance. If you don't have one of these, you need to buy one of these. You know how you do, how you use a concordance and you look up a word and say peace and uh, you find the, all the places where peace is found in the Bible, in this book here. Well, um, to, to impress you, um, there are also things like a Greek concordance and then there's a Hebrew concordance. So I, I got my two, my, and, 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 and I, I already knew, well, I didn't already know, but I found out that the Hebrew word, um, um, <clears throat> um, help, <laughs> um, uh, the Hebrew word for fear is the word Yada. The Greek word for fear is the word phobos. I mean, you, that rings a bell with you, don't it? Doesn't it? Phobos. You can get the English word phobia out of it. So the Greek word was phobia. The, the Hebrew word was yada. So what I did is I took my Hebrew concordance and I began to um, list, look up all of the places where the word yada was found in the Psalms, just the Psalms. This piece of paper is 43 years old. 
Now, this is about 1977. Um, then I added Proverbs. And, and then I went back and went through every one of these, these verses. And I tried to figure out what, what were they saying. So then I made categories. Um, categories uh, under which I could, you know, locate some of these verses. Like um, the fear of God um, is equated with obedience in these verses. Or um, God acts, um, he acts to produce fear. And so I had these categories. So then I broadened it to the whole Old Testament. And I came up with these. And that's when I knew I was onto something. That not a right response, but the right response. Folks, I said I could talk to you about this for, thir- for three days, and I could. We could go through every one of these statements. We could take a look at it as so what they say. I just showed you a few. God's goodness is to those who fear him. Uh, God's eye is on those who fear him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. But we are going to look at a few more. Um, oh, look at there. Uh, it works. That's the, that's the Hebrew word. And then... Phobos. Uh, is the Greek word. Now, um, gang, because we, don't, because we have limited time on a Wednesday night, I, I can't spend those three days. But I can ask you to look at a few with me. Okay? Um, because I am saying, here's my premise, that not a right view of God, but the right view, the only right view in response to the holiness of God is that God's people fear Him. Now, let me tell you a story. I mean, a biblical one. You, you, remember, um, uh, um, you remember the story, the, the, the people of Amalek? Do you remember this happens, uh, it's in uh, Exodus 17 where it happens, where Amalek started uh, nipping at the heels of the, of the people of Israel as they were moving north. And so Moses said, well, enough of that. Joshua, get us our, get our army, get out there and take care of Amalek. You remember, they had this big battle. And um, um, every time Moses had his arms up, um, then Israel was winning. But every time his, um, his arms fell down, um, Israel was losing. And so her and Aaron, Aaron is a guy, her is a guy, got a rock, told Moses to sit down. They got smaller rocks, and they held his arms up the whole time, and they defeated Amalek. Okay? Now, <clears throat> that's the story. In that, but I want you to listen to what, um, uh, what God says about Amalek. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you. And he did not fear God. The inveterate enemy of Yahweh is Amalek. And so they were to be utterly destroyed by Israel. 
What is the characteristic that is used to describe the inveterate enemy of God? They did not fear him. Because who in their right minds would not fear this God? Well, I'll tell you who wouldn't. Amalek. The great enemy of God and and his people. That's how he describes them. Here's another thought for you. Um, Exodus 18. Um, Do you remember what happened in Exodus 18? I remember this because it was... Oh, there was six books written about back in the day. I don't know, late 70s, early 80s. Um, Moses is moving the people. You know, the, the Sinai is Exodus 20. So this is Exodus 18. And Moses is leading the people up through the wilderness, and they're coming close to Sinai. And, and, and um, Moses, his father-in-law, pays a visit on him, to him. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the father of his wife, Zipporah, And so he watches as Moses wears himself all day long, meeting with people, trying to settle their disputes and their differences and, you know, solve their their complaints. And so um, the guy's name was Jethro. And the reason that I remember this is because people call this Jethrogation. (laughs) Isn't that cute? Because Jethro goes to Moses and says, Moses, you're going to kill yourself. You can't keep doing this. So, um, I want you to listen to my voice. Um, um, he said, what are you doing? What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing that is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk. Moreover, look for able men uh, from all the people uh, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And all these wags, we called it jetrogation. You know, it was delegated. Somebody over a thousand, somebody over a hundred, somebody over the fifties, somebody over the tens. Now, What kind of men do you want in those positions? What kind of people do you want to lead you? What should be true about every leader among God's people? Look for able men from all the people who who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. We're going to make those men judges because they hate a bribe. Why do they hate a bribe? Because they're men who fear God. Who do you want in positions of responsible leadership? Well, you want people that are honest and good. Well, what kind of people are those? They're people who fear God. Um, now, folks, um, I, I could go on, I, I'm telling you, but I, I just want to, I want you to see a few, just a few. Um, because I'm trying to establish this, this premise. 
the right view of God is that we fear him. I'm in the book of Deuteronomy. And that's, that's, as, that's as far as I can go. But I'm going I'm to try to run through Deuteronomy fairly quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Uh, by the way, I found all this and that, that study I did with the, the concordances. You can do this too. This is not rocket science. Um, <clears throat> Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Um, only take care and keep your soul diligently, uh, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart into all the days. Make them known to your children and your children. How on the day that you stood before uh, the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me. Moses, get all those people together because I want them to learn to fear me. God desires that his people fear him. You go over one chapter. I, I, just, I just love this statement because it, it's, um, it's chapter 5, verse 29. It's, um, it's almost a groan on the part of God. In fact, if you've got a King James Bible, you'll find the word, oh. You don't find it here. Uh, well, yes, you do. <laughs> um, and 529, oh, that they had such a heart as, as this always to fear me. God groans over his people. And he says, oh, that my people would fear me. Um, you go another chapter over in chapter 6 verse 24 we're still in one book and the Lord God commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God now the next words for our good always ladies and gentlemen fearing God is for your own good Um, chapter 8 verse 6 um So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, by fearing him. And then you come to chapter 10, which is just one of my favorites. Um, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Everybody listening? What does God require of his people? but to fear the Lord your God. Oh, but Jimmy, I see what you've done. Um, I know what you've done. What you've done is just taken a bunch of Old Testament passages. But those don't apply to us. Okay. um, Then let me remind you of something that Jesus himself said in Luke 12. He says, um, do not fear the one who can destroy the body only. And then he says, but I will tell you whom to fear. Fear the one who can, having killed the body, throw the soul into hell. Yes, I say, fear him. That was the Savior talking, folks. That's not Old Testament. Now, gang, I'm saying that it's the the right response to the holiness of God. But what is it? 
What are we talking about when we say the fear of God? Is there supposed to be this quaking dread? No, no. That's not how the Bible defines the fear of God. In fact, you know what the book of Proverbs says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But gang, if you would like a succinct, brief statement as to definition of what the fear of God is, you can find it in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. May I read it to you? The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. There's another one in in chapter 16, not quite as simple as that one, but it's still easily understood. Chapter 16, verse 6, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Now, ladies and gentlemen, think logically with me for a minute. By the fear of the Lord, uh, one turns away from evil. Oh, okay, Uh, let's see here. So if you don't turn away from evil, what does that mean? That means you're like Amalek, the inveterate enemy of Yahweh. Because the fear of the Lord is a hatred of evil. You want to see it again? It's in Job 28. Same sin, same, pretty much the same statement. Um, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Gang, if you could, if if we ever get a glimpse of the um, of the holiness of God. then the only right response to that is that we fear him. So here's why I say these two are a sequel. So if you you don't fear God, it's because you've never seen him in his holiness. And because you've never seen him in his holiness, we don't turn away from sin. We have no hatred of sin. We play with it. We toy with it. We go right up to the edge. Flirt with it. And I say to you, that's a derivative of never having seen that God is holy, which has never evoked any fear of God, which leads to loose, godless, living so tell me what do you see in the evangelical church in the 21st century what do you see you know had affairs with nine women and threatened to kill my daughter's boyfriend and these are pastors by the way how ladies and gentlemen did we get ourselves in this mess i say Part of the explanation, and maybe the largest part of the explanation, is that we've never gotten a glimpse of the holiness of God. I remember a girl came up to me, and she was a, she was a nice girl. I mean, uh, this was way back in Louisville, and Susie will remember this. Uh, but this girl was a nice girl, and, and she said to me one day, 
She said, Ain't, isn't God neat? And I said, no. No, he's not neat. He is holy. But the evangelical world has so eviscerated the nature and the character of God that we now find sin easy. Gang, back to that little story about that was uh, in Exodus 18. Choose these guys to be your judges, you, you know, who won't take a bribe, who fear God. Do you want them to take a bribe? No, no. Well, what will keep them from taking a bribe? It'll be that they know that they're answerable to the God of all holiness. Gentlemen, what is going to keep us off of the internet sites where we lap up porn? I'll tell you that one thing that will help. Is that we fear this God. Because I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, it is not a right view of God. It is the right view of God. And I could, I could establish that for three days. Just showing you text after text after text after text. It's everywhere. That's why it would take me three days. But why don't we? Why, why, how did we lose this? Well, let me give you just part of an explanation and then I'll quit. Um, gang. <clears throat> um, told you we we're going to use this. Um, there are two statements in the New Testament. One is uh, 2 Timothy 1.9 that says, for we have not been given a spirit of fear. Remember that text? You probably memorized it. Now, um, if you've got a newer translation, it doesn't, it doesn't read like that. Because the normal Greek word for fear is phobos. But guess what? Phobos is not in 2 Timothy 1.9. You don't even find that word there. What you find is a word, dila, which is what's called a hapax legomena. Um, a hapax is something that appears one time in the New Testament. This word appears one time in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 1.9. And it's not the word for fear. The better word would be timidity. You have not been given a spirit of timidity. No, no, we haven't. No, we, we shouldn't run from a godless world that wants to attack all of our positions. We've not been given a spirit of timidity. But that has nothing to do with a view of God that makes me turn from my sin. But I, I wonder if you've tucked that away, tucked that in there somewhere, and you think, well, I'm a little bit confused about, I don't think I should fear because it says I'm not giving a spirit. <clears throat> let, me, let me be the first to inform you. 
That doesn't say that. And I, I haven't looked at the ESV, but I bet you the newer translations have the word timidity or something like it. Because it's not phobos, which is the word, obviously, from which the, the Greek word for fear. Now, the other one that troubles us is in 1 John 4. I bet you can tell me what it is, too. 1 John 4 says, perfect love casts out fear. And so we think, well, you know, uh, uh, you know I'm not going to fear God because, you know, because I, I, I'm, I'm going to move towards that perfect love thing. Folks, I, I beg of you, I challenge you, go study tonight 1 John 4, beginning at about verse 10, I think. Somewhere around in there. Now, you, don't hold me to the verse 10, but just, just go study it. Um, it's, it's 1 John 4, 18 that says four, uh, perfect. But start about <clears throat> 12. I don't care. But then find out what John is, is saying. I dare you. I dare you. Because, ladies and gentlemen, he is not talking about a healthy, godly, righteous fear of God that Jesus told us to have. He's talking about a fear of condemnation. And that whole little section is there in there in 1 John 4 is, is telling God's people that they, they do not need to fear condemnation. Brother and sister in Christ, you do not need to fear condemnation. Perfect love casts out fear of condemnation. Okay? But it has nothing to do with this. Nothing. Folks, <clears throat> the goodness of God belongs to those who fear him. You want that? The eye of the Lord is turned to those who fear him. Would you invite that? The angel of the Lord and camps around those who fear him. I don't know about you. I want all of that. I want the encampment. I want the goodness. And I want the eye of God right on me. And those things are promised to God-fearers. There's one other statement in Deuteronomy 10. And I'll close with this. Deuteronomy 10, 12 is the, is the text that we looked at, but this is later in the chapter. I want to say verse 29, I forget. <clears throat> but Moses is repeating those things. And he says, and this, is what the, and, and this is what the Lord would have us be or do. To fear him and to cling to him. Isn't that odd? Would we normally cling to something that we fear? Oh, yes. Yes, we would. This God is to be feared. And he is also to be clung to. But he's not to be toyed with. Neither is his word. Neither is his law. And if you have come to the conclusion that this is some kind of substandard Christianity that is fearing God, 
then I invite you to go listen to what Jesus has to say in Luke 12. Yes, I will tell you whom to fear. Fear him. And if we don't, ladies and gentlemen, it shows up in our morality. And we've got a Christian church all over the country and perhaps elsewhere. was fraught with moral difficulty. And I would suggest to you that the explanation would be found in that God's own people do not fear him. The fear of God, it is a view of God that produces in me a hatred of and an avoidance of sin. You remove that, and sin gets a whole lot more attractive. Our Father, would you um, use these glorious statements found in your word to direct your people? Would you give them a sense of the cleanness, the purity, the beauty of a man or a woman who knows that God is high and lifted up and that he is to be feared. Father, that one statement where you're described as groaning over your people, oh, that my people would fear me. If you can't find fear of you any other place, might you be able to find it here? And Father, if there is in our midst one who, like Amalek, is unbelieving and thus does not fear you, would you cause them to see that that is your greatest enemy? The one that refuses to yield and submit and fear you. Might that be uh, second nature to us now among the people of God at Grace Van. We commit ourselves to that and do so, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.